ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन शलाकाचारिया Verse 245 of that chapter uh, is in the commentary Shila Prabhupada following the commentary of Shila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur summarizes the pastimes of Sri Madhvacharya so I'll read that and then speak some more about Sri Madhvacharya here's that verse Madhvacharya sthane ayala जाहा mad with ecstasy Chaitanya Mahaprabhu became mad with ecstasy here and in the purport okay 200 rupees get who's that who's this it okay please take it immediately who's going to do that you want to do that devya prabhu Shripad Madhvacharya took his birth near Udupi which is situated in the South Kanara district of South India now it's Udupi district at the time it was Dakshin Kanara district just west of Sahyadri this is the chief city anyway this is the chief city of the South Kanara province and is near the city of Mangalore which is situated to the south of Udupi near the city of Udupi is a place called Pajaka Kshetra when Madhvacharya took his birth in a Shivali Brahmana dynasty as the son of Madhya Geha Bhatta in the year 1040 Shakabda in the year 1040 Shakabda AD 1118 according to some he was born in the year 1160 Shakabda AD 1238 that's a big difference isn't it Some say he was born in 1040 another in 1160 120 years difference In his childhood Madhvacharya was known as Vasudeva and there are some wonderful stories surrounding him It is said that once when his father had piled up many debts Madhvacharya converted tamarind seeds into actual coins to pay them off When he was 5 years old he was offered the sacred thread A demon named Maniman lived near his abode in the form of a snake and at the age of 5 Madhvacharya killed that snake with the toe of his left foot when his mother was very much disturbed he would appear before her in one jump he was a great scholar even in childhood and although his father did not agree he accepted sanyas at the age of 12 upon receiving sanyas from a chuta preksha he received the name purna pragya tirtha 
Purna Pragya is the name of Vishnu. That it means one who has got complete intelligence, knowledge. So it's the name of Vishnu and uh, of Madhvacharya also. After traveling all over India, he finally discussed scriptures with Vidya Shankara, the exalted leader of Shringeri Mat. Vidya Shankara was actually diminished in the presence of Madhvacharya. Accompanied by Satya Tirtha, Madhvacharya went to Badrikasha. It was there that he met Vyasadeva and explained his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita before him. Thus he became a great scholar by studying before Vyasadeva. By the time he came to the Ananda Mat from Badrikashram, Madhvacharya had finished his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. His companion Satya Tirtha wrote down the entire commentary. When Madhvacharya returned from Badrikashram, he went to Ganjam, which is on the bank of the river Godavari. There he met with two learned scholars named Shobhan Bhatt and Swami Shastri. Later these scholars became known in the disciplic succession of Madhvacharya as Padmanabha Tirtha and Narahari Tirtha. When he returned to Udupi, he would sometimes bathe in the ocean. On such an occasion he composed a prayer in five chapters. Once while sitting beside the sea engrossed in meditation upon Lord Sri Krishna, he saw a large boat containing goods for Dwaraka was in danger. He saw that a large boat containing goods for Dwaraka was in danger. He gave some signs by which the boat could approach the shore and it was saved. The owners of the boat wanted to give him a present and at that time Madhvacharya agreed to take some Gopi Chandan. He received a big lump of Gopi Chandan and as it was being brought to him, it broke apart and revealed a large deity of Lord Krishna. The deity had a stick in one hand and a lump of food in the other. As soon as Madhvacharya received the deity of Krishna in this way, he composed a prayer. The deity was so heavy that not even thirty people could lift it. Yet Madhvacharya personally brought this deity to Udupi. Eight of Madhvacharya's sannyas disciples became directors of his eight monasteries. Worship of the Lord Krishna, deity. I, I don't want to speak if people if they, if they, Every, to every lecture we say time and again please turn off your cell phones and can you just do it please please those who are translating translate this everyone please turn off their cell phones it's alright if I've asked those who are translating there are translators most of the people here don't understand Hindi I could have said it in Hindi myself Worship of the Lord Krishna deity is still going on at Udupi according to the plans Madhvacharya established. Madhvacharya then for the second time visited Badrik Ashram while he was passing through Maharashtra. The local king was digging a big lake for the public benefit. As Madhvacharya passed through that area with his disciples, he was also obliged to help in the excavation. After some time when Madhvacharya visited the king, he engaged the king in that work and departed with his disciples. Often in the province of Ganga Pradesh, there were fights between Hindus and Muslims. The Hindus were on one bank of the river and the Muslims on the other. Due to the community tension, 
No boat was available for crossing the river. The Muslim soldiers were always stopping passengers on the other side, but Madhvacharya did not care for these soldiers. He crossed the river anyway, and when he met the soldiers on the other side, he was brought before the king. The Muslim king was so pleased with him that he wanted to give him a kingdom and some money, but Madhvacharya refused. While walking on the road, he was attacked by some dacoits, but by his bodily strength he killed them all. When his companion Satyatirtha was attacked by a tiger, Madhvacharya separated them by virtue of his great strength. When he met Vyasadeva, he received from him the Shalagram Shila, known as Ashtamurti. After this, he summarized the Mahabharata. Madhvacharya's devotion to the Lord and his erudite scholarship became known throughout India. Consequently, the owners of the Sringeri Mat, established by Shankaracharya, became a little perturbed. At that time, the followers of Shankaracharya were afraid of Madhvacharya's rising power. And they began to tease Madhvacharya's disciples in many ways. There was even an attempt to prove that the disciplic succession of Madhvacharya was not in line with Vedic principles. A person named Pundari Puri, a follower of the Mayavad philosophy of Shankaracharya, a person named Pundari Puri, a follower of the Mayavad philosophy of Shankaracharya, came before Madhvacharya to discuss the Shastras. It is said that all of Madhvacharya's books were taken away. Get that. It is said that all of Madhvacharya's books were taken away, but later they were found with the help of King Jayasinghe, ruler of Kumla. In discussion, Pundarik Puri was defeated by Madhvacharya. A great personality named Trivik Ramacharya, who was a resident of Vishnu Mangala, became Madhvacharya's disciple and his son later became Narayanacharya, the composer of Sri Madhvavijaya. After the death of Trivikrama Acharya, the younger brother of Narayana Acharya took sannyas and later became known as Vishnu Tirtha. It was reputed that there was no limit to the bodily strength of Purna Pragya, Madhva Acharya. There was a person named Karanjari who was famed for possessing the strength of thirty men. Madhva Acharya placed the big toe of his foot upon the ground and asked the man to separate it from the ground as a great strong man could not do so even after great effort. Srila Madhvacharya passed from this material world at the age of 18 while writing a commentary on the Aitareya Upanishad. For further information about Madhvacharya, one should read Madhva Vijay by Narayana Acharya. Madhva means sweet, just like we have the word Madhu. Madhvacharya is famous as a fighter, philosophical fighter. The Madhva Sampradaya recognized him as the same person who was Hanuman in Ram Leela and Bhima in Krishna Leela. So Hanuman and Bhima, they were fighting for the Supreme Lord. 
And Madhacharya was also fighting. He physically had tremendous strength, as of course did Hanuman and Bhima. He had tremendous philosophical strength also. He was fighting, particularly with the Mayavadis, philosophically fighting. Now, uh, even though he was fighting, he was very sweet. You may think, well, how is that? I mean, fighting doesn't seem to be very sweet. But the fighting of Hanuman and Bhima and Madhva, who are considered the same person, that is very sweet, because their fighting is bhakti. And the very nature of bhakti is that it is sweet. Would you like to sit down? Is there any place to sit there? Probably others behind you. So when we hear descriptions of, for instance, uh, Bhim Sain ripping out Dusharshan's heart and dripping the, drinking the dripping blood, doesn't sound very sweet. That's also one kind of rasa. <clears throat> but everything in bhakti is sweet. It's just a matter of appreciating that. So fighting for Krishna is very sweet. And appreciating the flowers and the trees and the beauty of nature without appreciation of Krishna is all bitter and nasty. Though it may appear to be sweet. Everything in material existence is bitter and nasty. And everything in spiritual existence is very sweet. Of course, Madhacharya, apart from fighting, he, he also composed many very sweet and beautiful prayers. He was an expert singer also. So the sweetness uh, manifested in forms which are more usually connected with sweetness. But it's not that he was sweet when he was singing and nasty when he was fighting with the Mayavadis. That's also a manifestation of his pure love for Krishna, which is sweet. Now, another point is that uh, well, Hanuman, he is, apart from fighting and being known as a Vanara, which is usually translated as monkey, although obviously Hanuman is not like the the average monkey who we see jumping around. He was very intelligent and knew the Vedas, he was a minister, the whole Vanara society they they were they were they had a society, they weren't just a bunch of monkeys. But definitely the, the society that Hanuman was part of is uh, far more civilized than the so-called human beings of the present day. <laughs> so uh, Hanuman, he was, he was known as a scholar, but Bhima, not particularly so. Bhima is portrayed as being a 
just uh, big, strong and not very intelligent. But actually that's not a fact. He's a pure devotee of Krishna. Pure devotees of Krishna, uh, they are decorated with all good qualities. Sarva, Mahagunagana, Vaishnava, Sharira, you know, in the form of a devotee, are all great qualities. Although different devotees exhibit some qualities more than others. Madhvacharya was such a scholar. We, we can't even imagine the extent of his scholarship. We can't even imagine the, uh, the culture that was in India even up to a hundred years ago. There were so many Vedic Brahmanas who Nowadays, if someone's called a pundit, if they can, if they know Sanskrit grammar, which is children's lessons. But uh, in an era, uh, approximately 800 years ago, or a thousand years ago, when there were so many scholars all over India who were actually learned far more than we can imagine. Madhvacharya stood above them all. So he was a fighter, but exceptionally intelligent and learned, as I say, to the extent that we can't imagine. And even the people at his time, they couldn't imagine. And then you get all these Max Muller and all these Indologists making their comments about, about Madhvacharya and others. They have, no, they have no right to comment whatsoever in any way. The only uh, approach we have to Madhvacharya is by Tadvidhi Pranipatena. It's the only way to approach. I'm only speaking here, although uh, I'm speaking here, but that's by the mercy of Srila Prabhupada, because previously uh, a person like myself, and actually persons like yourself also, even if you're born in Brahmin families, so-called, we wouldn't be allowed in this matter, even a short time ago. Even though the, those who are born in Brahmin families at the present time, they wouldn't be allowed in here either, because they never followed any of the ritual, they're just Brahmins by name. They'd be thrown out of the Brahmin community for not following, for working for meat-eaters, and for not following all the principles. So, we wouldn't even be allowed, we are allowed here by the mercy of Srila Prabhupada, who has inducted us into the Sampradaya, of the Vaishnava Acharyas. And we can discuss Madhvacharya with appropriate reverence. <coughs> Praising him, that's all we should do. We, it's not our business to 
critique Srimad Vachar. I don't know if you can all see, afterwards those of you who can't see, there's a classic picture of Srimad Vacharya here. Classic, he's holding up his hand like this, this classic pose. Two fingers held up. This is the message, his, the principal message that he came to teach. Absolute is sentient. Thou hast proved. In personal calamity thou hast removed. Srila Prabhupada wrote of his own Sri Gurudev, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur. The same mission. Removing impersonal calamity. The thrust of Madhvacharya's preaching was what is technically called Shuddha Dvita Vada or the that can be translated as the philosophy of pure dualism. It is said that or in the Madhva Sampradaya, it is stated that <coughs> Lord Brahma, seeing on the earth the spread of Buddhism, followed by Shankaracharya, came to defeat Buddhism, but it was a case of out of the frying pan into the fire. Because what he, what Shankaracharya preached was almost the same as Buddhism. In Chaitanya Mahaprabhu described Shankaracharya's teachings as Veda Shraidnastikyava, that Buddhism is atheism. Veda Mania Bodhoitonastik. The Buddhists are called Gnastic, which is translated as atheists. Atheism. Gnastic Yabha. Although it more precisely, Gnastic means those who do not accept the Vedas. So, because the Buddhists do not accept the Vedas, they are called Gnastic. But Veda Shraina Sikyavad Bodha Kayodhik. Even worse than the Buddhists are those who apparently accept the Vedas but preach the same message. So this refers to the philosophy of Shankaracharya, who practically, that's called. Uh, Prachanda. What is it? What is it? Mayavada Masat Chastram Prachandam Bhodamuchate. That is it. The philosophy of Mad of Shankaracharya 
Mayavad that is apparently based on Shastra but is Asat. Shastra comes to teach us what is reality but Mayavad is Asat. Non-reality posing as it's cheating. And it is covered Buddhism. So that's even worse. So Lord Brahma, seeing the spread of these two highly inauspicious philosophies all over India, approached Lord Vishnu and said, well, now is not the time for your avatar, but there's a serious situation in the world. So Lord Vishnu uh, considered to choose one of the demigods for going into the world to combat these bogus philosophies. And he sent Vayu. So, in the Madhva Sampradaya, Vayu uh, is considered the very dear devotee of Lord Vishnu and that Vayu, his uh, son Hanuman, non-different from, from him, and Bhima, that same person, is Madhvacharya. This place, Udupi, uh, even before Krishna came here, Krishna deity, he came to be worshipped by Sri Madhvacharya. Even before then, there was, or there were the temples of Ananteshwa and Chandramoleshwa. Chandramaleshwa and the Nanteshwa temples, they are temples of Lord Shiva. There was a Brahmana who's mentioned in Prabhupada's purport, Madhya Geha Bhatta, whose wife's name was Vedavati. He was the he was a worshipper at the temple of Ananteshwa. He was Vaishnava by disposition. And although uh, worshipping Ananteshwa, he saw, or that he worshipped the deity as Parashura. So to this day, uh, the deity of Ananteshwa is considered Lord Shiva and Lord Vishnu. Madhya Bhatta, he lived at Pajaka Kshetra, you can visit that place if you have time. It's not far from here. That is, that became the birthplace of Madhvacharya. He would walk daily from there to here. That was common in those days. People would, Brahmins would worship in one place and live in another place, so they'd walk up and down every day. There's several kilometers. He and his wife had had two sons, but both died, and they undertook severe austerities for a period of twelve years. 
following Payovrata as described in Srimad Bhagavatam. Austerity of subsisting on milk. I'm not sure if they did that for 12 years, but they performed that Payovrata. Uh, one day in the Anandeshwar temple, an apparent madman climbed on the flagpole. And in the manner of a madman, he said something which wasn't mad. He said that very soon a great person will appear in this place who will preach the actual message of the Vedas. So, uh, shortly after Madhyageha Bhatta's wife became pregnant and when the child was born, very beautiful son, and the astrologers called to uh, calculate his chant. They uh, announced that this is a very great person who will be a great Acharya. He will preach the actual message of the Vedas and uh, the local people remembered the statement of this apparent madman who had climbed the flagpole of the Ananteshwar temple and made this announcement. The name given to the boy was Vasudev. When the confinement period was over, Nowadays, children are born in hospitals mostly, but previously people had culture. And there were rules governing conception, pregnancy, delivery, post-delivery, Vedic rules for bringing forth first-class children. There were rules for bringing forth second-class children also. It's for Brahmanas, for Kshatriyas. There were ceremonies. So, uh, the child was first exposed to the sun. It's different in different places, often up to 40 days. And his first, after being bought from the Sutika Griha, the concept or the uh, the, uh, what's that called? I can't remember the word there. Anyway, the, where he was kept after birth. The maternity room. He was, his first outing was to Udupi, to the temple. That's a normal thing to do. Uh, by the time they came back, it was late at night. They're coming back through the jungle path. Of course, Madhyageha Bhatta knew the paths very well. He went up and down every day. 
But at that time, uh, one of the persons in the party accompanying them was attacked by a ghost. And he started to vomit blood and scream. And the ghost who had possessed the body of that man said, he announced that take some dust from the feet of that baby and put it on my head then I'll be delivered from this ghostly condition which was done so uh, that was a frightening incident it all ended well and indicated the greatness of the newly born child but Madhya Geha Bhatta he expected that there may be more disturbances like this and therefore we have to protect this child very carefully because more demons may attack him as is often the case with great persons they are attacked by or great saintly persons they are attacked by demoniac persons Bhima is famous as Brikodara, the common translation of which is wolf's stomach or one who is very hungry. So this child, he was also very hungry and his mother found it difficult to provide enough milk for him. Uh, one day she was his mother was away from the house and the child was hungry he was with his uh, with an elder sister so she let there was a bag of grain rough grain for feeding the cows one mound which is about 40 kilos big bag and the bag was open and spilling open a bit so she went off to find the mother by the time she came back most of the grain was gone and the child was inside the bag finishing it off that was it. he didn't have an official anaprasana that was his first eating of grain now if even a fully grown man with good appetite ate that much raw, rough grain, he'd have serious digestive problems. What to speak of a baby who had never taken... I mean, for a start, normally, no normal person could eat that much. And this is a baby who had never eaten anything in this lifetime. That's probably why he was so hungry. <laughs> so, uh, of course, his mother was very disturbed. First of all, how could he eat so much? And what going to happen, he's going to get sick, but he didn't. He's a hungry child. <coughs> so like this, Madhvacharya, from the beginning, uh, exhibited superhuman symptoms. We've heard of Krishna and Balaram that catch, in their babyhood, they would catch the tails of the calves, who would then pull them around 
in the yard. Well, a young boy, Vasudev, one morning he caught the tail, not of a little calf, but of a fully grown bull, who pulled him around all day. Which would, that would be like a death sentence for anyone else, but for him that was plain. When he was about three years old, his family went to a social function. Uh, in a nearby village and uh, he wasn't very interested in social functions so he wandered off to Udupi three year old boy and the brahmanas in the temples were surprised to see an infant spontaneously bowing down to the deities and offering prayers to them Uh, he went for schooling but the teacher was frustrated for two reasons one reason is he was always leaving school and going back home to eat <laughs> and the other reason was he didn't seem to pay much attention to the class he didn't seem to be a very good student when the teacher said that uh, well you're not learning and said, I learned everything he said everything, everything the teacher had said that day. Why don't you recite what I'm saying? You said it, I heard it, I learned it, I already know it. <laughs> so at five years old, earlier than usual, he was given Upanayanam, uh, Brahminical initiation. Oh, even before that, even before that, uh, there were. There was an incident where he was about four years old and there was a speaker in, in, in the Brahmin community especially and even among all the communities, especially among the Brahmin communities, people would speak and from Shastra and others would come and listen. But at, at one such meeting, uh, the little boy Vasudev was there and the speaker was speaking and the little boy interrupted and said, no, no, you got it all wrong and corrected. Uh, speaker among Brahmins means that he's very learned, usually elderly, respected, and little boy is correcting him. And he's not even had an education fully. I'm mean, just starting his education. So at five years old, uh, three years ahead of the normal age in that caste, he was given Brahminical initiation. Srila Prabhupada mentioned about a deity called Manima. There was a demon in the Kurukshetra battle who was killed by Bhima. And being very envious, he took the form of a five-headed snake and waited in the jungle area near the home of this Vasudeva. He wanted to get even being killed by Bhima. So one time when the young boy passed by there, that envious demon 
bit it. Now, this kind of snake, his bite would normally be considered fatal, even for a strong man, not to speak of a young boy. But the young boy, being not in the slightest bit disturbed, with, uh, put his foot on the heads of that snake demon and killed him. And when he was, when the boy was inspected, there was no sign of any snake. <coughs> but these are the superhuman activities. He would go playing here and there. One time his mother was uh, calling him. Young boy, he's gone away, where is he? He was actually two kilometers away at the time. And hearing his mother in anxiety, he uh, jumped and landed up. Yes, mother? <laughs> Remembering pastimes of Hanuman, who jumped a lot further. How far was that? Uh, too longer? It was like a thousand yojanas or something. Longer than the present distance between India and Lanka. Yeah, that Prabhupada mentioned that how his father had purchased a bull. I'm elaborating a bit, and uh, he hadn't paid, and the man was wanted payment, so he was coming and sitting on his father's doorstep and fasting, which is very inauspicious to have someone fasting at your doorstep until he got paid. And Vasudev's father had no means to pay him, so he was in a lot of anxiety. So uh, the young boy went outside and gathered some tamarind seeds and went up to the person to whom the debt was owned and said, Here's your payment. They're just like a little child playing. But uh, the that person reciprocated and held out his hands. Madhva poured the tamarind seeds into them and when the man looked, the, all the seeds had turned into gold coins and the value was far more than that of what he was owed. When he was still very young, uh, it's not clear exactly how old, some age between 10 or 12, the young boy Vasudev, he wanted to accept sannyas. His father wasn't willing. Naturally, his father was very attached to his son and didn't want him to leave home. But the young boy was quite insistent. But his father said, you see, we don't have any other son. And, uh, there should be some son. It's required to look after us in old age and so many things son is required for. So Madhva said, okay, all right, I won't accept sannyas until you have a son, another son. So at that time there was no sign of that, but soon thereafter his mother again became pregnant. In the meantime, the young boy went to live at the nearby ashram of a Chuta preacher, sannyasi. And he would come back from time to time to his father's house 
And then when a son was born, he said, Okay, I'm taking sannyas now. What happened was at one point, his father was trying to convince him not to take sannyas. At one point, his father grabbed the feet of his own child to bake him. And the, the child said, Well, a father never bows down and touches the feet of his son, unless he's a sannyasi. <laughs> so practically you're confirming that. So he took sannyas from Achyuta Preksha. He was the young boy Vasudev was given the name Purna Pragya Tirta. Achyuta Preksha was in the there's a sannyasi who was uh, superficially a mayavadi, but he practically he learned from Purnapragyatirtha, the actual conclusion of the scriptures. So at the point he took sannyas, is a good point for us to end here. Uh, we have to uh, finish at 6.15, now according to my watch it's 6.13 and we can continue this narration tomorrow starting from the sannyas pastime or the post-sannyas pastimes of Sri Madhvacharya <coughs> so thank you very much everyone for coming here from tomorrow the program will be elsewhere. That program can be announced. What the program is? At the Purna Pragya Auditorium. Yeah, now the cell phone is gone off. You can turn it off.